Welcome to the FedTech Innovators Podcast, where we talk about all things deep tech innovation, entrepreneurship, and R&D. Now let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome. We are really pleased to be joined here today by Gabe Mounts, uh, who is the Director of the Outreach and Technology Engagement Office for the AFRL in New Mexico, um, and also dual hatted as the Deputy Director of SpaceWorks. So want to hear more about how that works to do definitely two full, full-time sounding jobs uh, in one person. So I'm sure you do, do it well, Gabe. But um, Gabe is, uh, yeah, a longtime um, acquaintance of FedTech um, and has uh, been, you know, a good partner throughout the years uh, through some of our programs and just really excited to have a conversation today. Um, and Gabe, you know, we got to catch up, obviously, a few weeks ago when we were visiting New Mexico. FedTech is, we're, we're just really excited to be in New Mexico. So I think we've made a couple announcements. We're opening an office in Albuquerque um, and, and, and starting the staff up. And I just was wondering, I mean, even just to pick up a little bit of what we talked about, what, what, um, what do you see happening? New Mexico has changed a lot in the last 10 years. What do you see happening from an economic standpoint? What do you see happening from an entrepreneurship standpoint? Just interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I've been in New Mexico for a while. Um, I was born and raised here in the state, went on active duty for a while with the Air Force, and then kind of came back here to landed back here in Albuquerque, as it were, where I been working ever since, um, you know, in the Air Force Research Lab, uh, just some quick context there, Air Force Research Lab is the science and technology arm of uh, now the Department of the Air Force, um, because that department now oversees the two services, Air Force and now the Space Force. Um, and I've been doing, in that role, in, for a while I was doing more, um, some of the basic R&D work that goes on in a lab related to like uh, space electronics, um, some of the piece parts that go into spacecraft. And, and then for the last several years, probably the last five or six years, working in this, what we I would call kind of an economic development and outreach function for the state. And what I've seen over that period of time, and then just my experience is, um, you know, New, New Mexico, first and foremost, has a lot, had a long history in space, right? We had um, pretty famous for uh, the the Goddard experiments that were done by Robert Goddard back in the day in uh, Roswell, New Mexico, the early rocketry experiments that he did. Um, well, maybe, well, like, and just for the folks that aren't familiar, what what, what were those experiments? Yeah, the, some of the very early, uh, Robert Goddard was one of the very early pioneers of, of rocket um, propulsion, right? And, and just the whole concept of rocketry to um, launch, you know, to try to launch and get an object into space. So he did a lot of that work in New Mexico down in the southern part of the state where I'm from. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico in particular is where he was located. Um, and then from that, right, from that point on, just the, the history that New Mexico has had attached to the Department of Defense, some of the, the work bled into the Department of Defense work that has long been here. Um, yeah, that that's sort of that history. And then, of course, I mean, this is not necessarily part of the history, but the side... I always think it's funny, the, the side uh, connection uh, of this whole weird alien culture that's springing up around Roswell and the, and the whole thing. It, <laughs> that's what everybody thinks. kind of weird so, yeah. that they were in the same place. But, um, you know, we, we've had a long history. The state has had a long history related to the federal government. We've got three Air Force bases. We've got an Army base down in White Sands, New Mexico. Where I work is the um, the Air Force Research Lab is actually on Kirtland Air Force Base, Albuquerque. And that base has got um, many mission partners that are here, um, DOD mission partners. In fact, I've heard the commander talk about 
the base commander, when you see him talk in public, sometimes he'll say, there's 100 mission partners on Kirtland Air Force Base, which is a, a lot. I mean, if you've ever been on a military base, many of the bases are really assigned a particular mission, and there's maybe a few units assigned to that mission. Kirtland has got a ton of mission partners across the DoD front. The most well-known tenant is Sandia National Labs, and I think the other well-known attribute about New Mexico when it comes to science and technology and the federal sector is, is the two big national labs that are in state. Sandia on the base here at Kirtland in Albuquerque and, and Los Alamos, kind of up the street from me in, in Los Alamos, right? Los Alamos National Lab. So there's always been a history of science and tech through that federal sector, um, and especially as that science and tech relates to uh, space research and the whole space domain, long history between all those organizations working that. Well, it, it is just interesting to see how much, yeah, you mentioned the on the Air Force Base, but just in general, how much kind of technical R&D technology development is being done. I, I, I think, you know, we often kind of debate around the FedSec office of like, what, what are the next big kind of venture ecosystems, right? If you think about, you know, okay, Boulder, Denver, um, Austin, you know, of course, like the Bay Area, LA, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, I just the, the words kind of already out on, on those places, yeah. right? So um, I, I get interested in, in Albuquerque as potentially kind of next up on that list, right, of, of great places to come and build a company. Um, we get really excited just about, you know, some of the assets are, that are in the state, you mentioned, you know, the national labs, but also, you know, places like AFRL, where you just have a really rich opportunity to work with the government to accelerate businesses. But um, I know you've done just an exceptional amount of work in terms of building the Albuquerque kind of innovation scene, right? Between, you know, funding Q station and, and interested to hear more about that. But what's your take on kind of where are we in the journey uh, in terms of building Albuquerque into, you know, kind of the next great venture city? Yeah, the, great question. And this is the part I really love discussing is, um, I've become very passionate about uh, using what small measure I have access to and influence on from the federal government's perspective to enable um, our state um, to, to kind of get after and, and grow its economic, um, you know, its economic base, as it were. And that includes the workforce piece of it as well. In the kind of getting back to the earlier question to me, how this relates is the Main industries here in the state have long been um, agriculture. Um, the oil and gas industry is is probably one of the biggest industries here. Um, and then some other adjacent industries that are super interesting to me, maybe not to, a, to, to, to people in the tech sector, but uh, we have a burgeoning entertainment industry related to the movies. Um, and, and then we have... Yeah, huge number of movies getting shot in New Mexico now. There is. Like There's been a considered effort by the state... Um, leadership, the state government leadership to, um, you know, attract that industry um, to to the state as a, as a potential way to bolster the economy, which has been working pretty well so far. Um, and then you have in the mix this this Fed sector it's, itself, right, that's doing a lot of the science and tech for national security that, in a sense, has dovetailed with that. So I, I want to make sure the listeners understand the the sector here is not necessarily new when it comes to an economic development function because there's these other um, interesting sectors that already existed that were pretty robust. The I think what's newer is the fact that the space, in particular, the space sector, the commercial space sector, is growing so fast 
internationally because of a lot of the recent technology developments by, um, you know, the likes of these billionaires who are, have made access to space so much cheaper. So there's been a long history of space technology research in the state um, that has, in a sense, been, you know, translated into the commercial sector here. But it wasn't until this commercial sector got so hot that um, that transition opportunity has grown significantly, which is sort of the sweet spot that, that me and my team have entered into to try to help um, create an opportunity to transition and create the intersection between what we care about and the mission set from, from the space side, national security space side, and now you know, in particular the space force side, um, and what's happening in that commercial sector. So what I have long been, and, and I'm not the only one, a lot of us in the region, a lot of us in the state have been driving the fact and trying to help um, our commercial partner, our private sector partners um, realize opportunities in this now new commercial space sector as it dovetails with what we care about in um, the, the national security space. The way I see it, um, when it comes to the Space Force and where the Space Force is actually in existence, right? The main part of Space Force, we can talk a little bit more about why the Space Force was created, but uh, a large part of the Space Force leadership and headquarters is centered in Colorado Springs, which is right up the road from us here in Albuquerque, about five and a half hour drive. Um, That's it? That's the, you gave uh, the East Coasters on there. They'll listen to this. Don't don't consider that right up the road. <laughs> but yeah, for, Western, uh, for those of yeah. us in the West, uh, that's a that's we'll a reasonable yeah. drive <laughs> between locales. That's a hop skip, um, yeah. And then, of course, the major uh, part of the Air Force that acquires all the systems, develops all the systems for the purposes of national security is in Los Angeles. Um, and and with the stand up of the Space Force, that group is now sort of renamed as the Space Systems Command. Um, and then we here in Albuquerque, right, we have the Air Force Research Lab that is where I work. That's got a whole group of space people that are now, um, you know, long, long been Air Force uh, civil servants and military that were doing that basic science and tech who are now have been, uh, in a sense, blessed as Space Force individuals. So we're all now Space Force. I'm a Space Force civil servant. Um, we, we're doing our basic science and tech here in Albuquerque at, at Kurtline, and right adjacent to us is another component of Space Force called the Space Rapid Capabilities Office. So there's this sort of what I would call R&D science and tech function here in Albuquerque, such that in my mind, the big three nodes for the Space Force are Colorado Springs, LA, and, and Albuquerque. And so what I'm doing, what I'm attempting to use the government um, apparatus that I get to have influence over is how do we enable our element, our, our federal government element, um, to to intersect with this commercial sector, and thereby, you know, there seems to be a natural pathway for growth of the private sector here when it comes to commercial space um, because of the proximity to us doing the federal work in Albuquerque, and there and thereby that's why I think there's this new resurg maybe resurgence even of growth in the space sector in particular as an economic driver um, in the state and in the city of Albuquerque. Well, Gabe, Gabe even, even backing up a little bit, um, I always say we have to sort of appeal to the, the folks, you know, that listen to this that may not be highly technical or, um, uh, you know, DOD folks, ma mainly my, my, my mom, our number one listener of this podcast. <laughs> um, so if, if we were to just even back yeah. up a little bit, I mean, may, maybe talk a little bit about 
why, why space, right? Why is space so important now? I think people hear a lot more about it, you know, that may not be in, in the defense department. You hear more news stories, you see things like space uh, force getting created, like maybe, maybe just kind of um, to somebody that doesn't live in the world as much, describe a little bit about why, why space. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the, from a national security perspective, the apparatus, the, the, the domain of space has always been a domain that has also been utilized for national security purposes, right? Um, you know, since the early days of NASA in the 60s and, and the, even the 50s when, um, you know, this new, this new domain was being explored, it, it always had an element that needed to be used and could be used for the purposes of national security. And for a long time, a lot of that, not, not everything, but a lot of that responsibility fell to the Air Force. Um, and so there, the national security apparatus, which includes the, even the intelligence agencies, uh, the services, Air Force, Army, Navy, all, all, of the, all of the services have long used that domain to essentially enable the mission sets that they run in, in a sense, in a terrestrial sense, really, um, for, for the purposes of national security of the nation. What's happened recently, and partly the, what went into the calculus to stand up the Space Force, was the fact that this new private sector um, was growing so fast um, because of this, uh, this new access to space that, that is being driven, like I said, by you know, the billionaires, the likes of um, Blue Origin, SpaceX, the folks like that, right? Um, that... That change, that that pivotal change in access to space, um, has made it so much more cheap to get to space that you now see the private sector, the entrepreneurial sector, really rushing in to take advantage of that access to see what new business um, can be derived from using this domain over and above what what's ever been whatever has been done before. So, really, up until this point, the domain of space and the use of space as a domain. Um, has really only been in the province of uh, nation states, right? The nation state, the expense was so immense that really it was only in the domain of nation states to exploit. Um, and then, of course, a lot of that has a lot of that nation state um, exploitation was done, or at least in the U.S., a good portion under and for national security purpose. So the national security apparatus would fund a lot of that work and, and help us get you know help the nation get into that domain. So now that we have this cheaper access, what's happened is um, a lot of players now are starting to get into uh, operating in space almost independent of any of the nation state activities from a governmental perspective. And this is happening on the international front. So all that to say is context. Um, if you hear Space Force leaders talk now, what they often talk about is the fact that this access, access has got so much cheaper that so many more thing, more entities are putting um, objects into space that there is uh, a lot of concern about the fact that it's getting very congested in space, especially in the low Earth orbit regime, um, which is the regime that's easiest to get to where most of these private companies are putting their assets. It's becoming very congested, um, which makes those of us do, doing the national security mission, there's a little concern that how are we now going to be able to also continue to use that domain if there's so much congestion? Um, and even now discussion about how we facilitate as a national security apparatus or even a federal apparatus, how do we facilitate the safe use of the domain, the continued safe use of domain by this new kind of economic sector? So that was one of the, 
one of the things that went into the calculus to stand up the Space Force. The other thing is uh, this commercial market is an international commercial, commercial market now. And so essentially anybody who can afford it can get into, um, into the space domain, maybe even people who, you know, maybe even nation states who previously weren't able to get that access now have some level of access. And so the other concern is it's becoming, we, we predict going, it could be a domain that is um, contested. So you hear from, from leaders a lot, it's a contested now and congested domain. And, and those two things heavily factored into why the U.S. government decided to send up a separate service that was dedicated to operating within that domain and maintaining that domain for the peaceful use of, you know, the international sector. Um, and so they decided to carve out the new U.S. Space Force out of the U.S. Air Force. Okay, that's different than I, I thought there was a connectivity to the, the Netflix show, but that, that, that sounds like they were... In, in, no, I'm joking. In, 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 yeah, which one influenced which, um, right? Is a, is a funny question yeah, for the, but, those of us working in the space work. <laughs> well, and it's just, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it is fascinating to see just how the price, you know, per kilogram, right, of, of launch has has dropped so much. We, we uh, a few weeks ago, interviewed one of our companies that came through um, an Army Accelerator we run as, I don't know if you've heard of Longshot Space, right. has, uh, you know, a giant World War II uh, era gun design, like a huge cannon that they're going to launch um, sort of non-human payloads into space, right? And they think they can actually drop, you know, even the current rocket-based launch, you know, orders of magnitude. So fun, fun interview, you know, that, just to hear about that tech. Um, and it kind of illustrates, I mean, there is just, yeah, the commercial invention that 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 is now, you know, in some ways kind of leading uh, elements of of kind of government. I, I know, you guys have been keenly aware of this and starting, you know, places like, like the new space initiative, which, which by the way, I thought was really cool to get to see. Um, so for those of you that, that, um, weren't at the event, Gabe, Gabe was, um, introducing Senator Heinrich. So, uh, pretty neat to be, uh, see, uh, interacting with a, a U.S. Senator. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, maybe talk a little bit about that. I mean, how, how have you kind of designed the e ecosystem that you have access and control over, you know, things like new space to, um, really facilitate kind of that public private sharing of, of information and, and, um, diffusion of innovation. Yeah. Great. Great question. And yeah, thanks for taking, taking us down this line reasoning for me, cause it's something I am pretty passionate about here. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I oversee in the outreach office, um, what we call a technology outreach office for the air force research lab here in New Mexico. And at the core, what that constitutes for us is how do we take some of this um, this innovation that we create inside this federal lab called the Air Force Research Lab and translate that to the commercial market? And so there's this um, impedance match, as it were, that I that my office kind of works on to help um, translate this technology into the commercial market. But we're also chartered to look at what's happening in the commercial market and figure out, is there a way to translate that into what I would call the metaphor inside the fence, into our mission sets? Um, is there a mission fit for the technology that's now occurring out in the commercial sector? And because that office serves this part of the Air Force Research, Research Lab that's with space, um, there was just a perfect uh, storm, if you will, this perfect alignment of how the commercial sector has grown, what the uh, national government wanted to do, the federal government wanted to do in space to allow us to 
basically experiment with how can I use sort of the apparatus that I get to oversee to scout for technology that's happening now in this commercial sector and see if there's an alignment to the mission sets that we have now within the Space Force. And in doing so, um, then also understanding how do you enable the commercial sector to be able to work um, in close proximity in these public-private um, partnerships to those of us doing the work within the federal government. And that's happening, you know, not just here in New Mexico, but in Colorado and LA, a lot of places. Um, but I see a lot of the hotbed in the, those three, uh, three locales. So we, did, we had, we have some, my office has some unique authorities that allowed us to experiment with, for instance, the use of um, the startup accelerator model, where we not only we're trying to scout for technology, but we could use the the lean startup model that that kind of three month boot camp that you see in a lot of these startup accelerators out in the wild. Use that model to enable us to accelerate um, companies, but kind of accelerate them toward what would be a mission fit um, for their technology. Uh, not necessarily trying to turn them into the next um, uh you know, federal vendor, although that is definitely an outcome, but it also just to understand how do we work with this growing tech market early on while it's so early. And then when it gets, you know, when it grows, when some of these companies become the next SpaceX, because we've worked with them in their early stages, it's a lot easier for the company and us as a government to have that conversation later about how do we utilize their capabilities once they're more mature. So the, these programs were built, uh, one of them, the Hyperspace Challenge that we run here in New Mexico, one of these kind of startup accelerator-like programs to help us find the mission fit. And then that spawned a, a, a number of other programs that we ran um, out of my office here, both in New Mexico and Colorado and, and in LA, in LA, sorry, to, um, to, to understand how to better fuse the connection between the commercial sector and what we were to get after in space. And the side benefit for us here locally is um, now there's a lot of attention on what's happening in New Mexico because of the um, collaboration with the space force element that's here, here in the state. How is it all going? I mean, what, what kind of companies are you seeing kind of come through the programs or, or any, any kind of highlights that you're really proud of? Yeah. I mean, there's almost too many to name, honestly. Um, and, and really that's the artifact of there's just a lot of really great innovation happening now in the commercial sector. There's a lot of new things that, um, that just, you know, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial community, right? The, the beautiful thing about that ecosystem and community is you have people who are innovative, thinking of new things to do, trying that. Um, and, and then that just builds on itself to generate more innovation. So we, one of, I think one of the latest things I'll identify, um, and, and it's a, it's a meat story for us here in New Mexico because of the local nature of it. Uh, one of the companies here in the state called RS21, um, they are a spin out of Sandia National Labs, basically a, da a data analytics company, big data analytics company, uh, mainly focused on doing kind of data analytics for the energy sector. And, you know, coming out of Sandia, a, a department of energy national lab, right? That would make sense. They're, they're focused on the energy sector. Um, but they also were focused, uh, one of the industry sectors I failed to mention that's pretty robust here in the state is, is biotech. Um, biotech and, and med the medical um, domain. 
So this company was doing a lot of that kind of data analytics, um, energy sector and in, in bio. And one of their cool algorithms um, had to do with prediction of the onset of certain types of cancer based on um, just, you know, the factors that go into, um, you know, health of an individual and, and those early signs that might, you know, if used correctly in a data analytics fashion uh, with a sure. higher level of computation could help predict uh, perhaps what the onset of, of the cancer would be just, you know, just to help with oncology um, therapy, right? We threw our hyperspace challenge. Uh, one of the uh, cohorts that we ran was just looking at uh, a number of different tech sectors, trying to understand, should we map um, different things to, uh, for instance, the health and wellness of satellites. Uh, one of the mission needs for anybody, quite frankly, that runs, uh, that operates um, objects in space, satellites in space, is just understanding what is, no kidding, the status and health of your spacecraft. Um, something that everybody does that operates spacecraft, but it's not always the um, easiest thing to do because you're essentially operating a remote object that you don't have ready access to. And so you're, you're completely reliant upon the telemetry and other command and control things for that asset. And it's just, it's just a hard problem. So one of the, well, and predicting the failure, right, is, is immensely challenging when, when you're not going to have that, that satellite working anymore, right? right? It could, could be years, could be, could be months, could, you know, it, it's yeah, hard. Yeah, it's a hard problem. So it's interesting. So it's, they went from cancer prediction to satellites pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, so that was one of the success stories is, is that now we have this company who was now applying their oncology algorithm to satellite technology, to spacecraft, um, which then, you know, helped the Space Force. The Space Force now, um, through, through the Space Work Supersitter process, has pulled them in to their mission set. Um, and now, you know, running through the early prototypes about how that technology could be used within the Space Force. Um, and then also for the company, created a whole new space line of business that they had not previously considered. So just a success story all around um, for us here locally in the community. But that's just one example of many that we've seen. <laughs> That's cool, Gabe. Yeah, no, I love it. That and that's kind of hitting um, all of the the parts of you know a startup that we get excited about at FedTech, right? You have the the spinoff that was able to um, transition a technology into a new domain, check, 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 and then and then um, leverage SBIR to be successful. So that's that's really cool. Um, I guess you know shifting gears just a, a, a little bit. Um, you know, I've always been impressed. I mean, you guys at the Air Force in general, and especially in Albuquerque, have just always done such a good job supporting founders, you know, and being, I always love, there's kind of this wide angle view that you you take, right? Where, um, hey, we're going to open up, you know, a big shared workspace, like 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 um, a Q station, we're going to have the Air Force, you know, Air Force will be the, the, the anchor investor, um, but we're going to have it benefit the community and benefit kind of entrepreneurs, you know, writ large, you know, irrespective of kind of the immediate payback, you know, to the Air Force. And I've always I've always liked that a lot. And I'm, I'm just curious, curious if you could yeah, talk a little bit about how you how you sort of have that attitude around, you know, hey, let's make entrepreneurs successful. And in, in, in time, that will benefit the mission. Um, and then just any advice you have, you know, for for entrepreneurs that maybe have not interacted with the Air Force, like what should they be thinking about? Yeah, Um so yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll even back up a little bit and, and give you the, the ethos that we've tried to develop out of our office, which is, um, you know, we really are trying to be uh, um, a, a 
partner, right? A partner, a federal government partner that is as collaborative as possible with what's happening in the commercial sector, because we definitely want to understand how better to leverage and work with the commercial sector in this kind of new, this whole new domain in space and how it's growing. And so we've kind of taken the attitude of how can we be as hospitable to the private sector as possible. And through some of our early programs, what we discovered is just having the interaction with us, making it easier to have an interaction um, was significant. So we, you know, we decided to establish this off-base presence just to make it easier for us to um, interact with the commercial sector um, and, and are using our for those of you that haven't, haven't uh, driven onto an Air Force base uh, without an invitation, you'll see why that's important uh, if you ever try it. Yeah, it's not easy to get onto Air Force yeah, Base. Yeah, we, we decided to take the opposite approach, which is those of us doing this work and kind of the outreach side, we we decided to leave the base, go off outside the base and and set up sort of a front door, as it were, to, to have this interaction. So the facility you're talking about, our Q station, is um, meant to be sort of that front door, that place where we interact, but we also enable it to be a place where the tech sector itself can convene um, with the government, with the other government players that are here and, and really just provide some kind of unstructured collision opportunities through um, this big facility that we run in, in, um, in Albuquerque. So that was part of the thinking was offering that helps us in the long run because we are forming relationships with the commercial sector that we desperately need if we're gonna get after some of our, our mission sets. Um, I'm not sure if I addressed the last part of your question, if you don't mind, that might be helpful there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and even just to, to, to build on what, um, one of the big kind of, when I think about giving entrepreneurs advice, you know, it's, 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 it's go out and, and kind of have those serendipitous interactions. Right. So even, you know, show, show up to a place like, like a Q station that's, you know, open and has a lot of events that you can go and, and interact and, you know, as an entrepreneur, right, you might just bump into a, a Gabe Mounts who can who can give you kind of that that initial step of how do you win, you know, an Air Force, FBIR, how do you get funded, right? It, it's just, it to me, um, and this is why I'm just so happy to see just in a general sense, like us get back to doing in-person stuff again, yeah. right? I mean, this was tougher, I think, to try to do this over Zoom. Um, but, you know, we always tell our entrepreneurs, just, just put yourself in a situation where good things can happen. You're going to be surprised, you know, but it doesn't hap happen if you're, um, you know, sitting in your living room, or if you're sitting, you know, sitting at your, your, your workbench necessarily all the time. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, how, how would you, if you were going to, you know, again, be sitting down, you know, just counseling kind of a first time entrepreneur, maybe that has a good space technology, what would you tell them? How, how do you leverage, you know, the best of the air force, the best of New Mexico to grow a company? Yeah, I guess first and foremost, um, young companies are looking for business lines, right? They're looking for, uh, ways to, ultimately sell their product or service. So they have a product or service idea. Maybe they've already got their real product or service MVP prototypes, you know, um, some kind of early thing, and they're looking for a fit. Um, one way or one piece of advice is definitely do your due diligence on, you know, that commercial side. Um, and I think the way the current thinking is amongst Air Force, Space Force um, innovation offices like ours is, um, we, we're looking to help you um, as best we can grow your commercial market because that's, that's the way our U.S. capitalist system works. We, we care about companies growing in the normal sense of that commercial market because once you become robust in that 
regard, we know that you have multiple ways that you can continue your business in addition to perhaps the government being a customer. Um, but while you're going through that expo exploration process, for instance, um, working through offices like RQ Station, there's many others within the federal government, Ben, I think you know many of them that um, entrepreneurs can go to, to interface with those individuals like me who are experts at understanding where there are opportunities and what those kinds of specific government pathways are, um, both to understand the what I call the mission fit of your product or service, and then also how do you um, utilize some of these um, mechanisms to, to ultimately get funding from the government to help with your idea. We often use CyberSitter as the baseline starting point for small businesses because that is, no kidding, the federal government's way to onboard companies in that early stage to understand um, how the fit is. Part of what I do now, or maybe David, just even what's what's like kind of the tweet size, just for those that haven't heard, you know, of 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 um, Cibber, you know, is, is uh, small business innovation research oh, right. program. What, what, yeah, what's kind of the what's the tweet size, just explanation for what that is and why it's it's special. Yeah, I mean, Cibber is a congressional uh, mandated program that all federal government agencies run. They take a percentage, a small percentage of the federal budget given to each agency to um, go through this small business innovative research grant and contracting opportunity to ultimately help um, the industrial base, right, to grow new companies. So it's specifically a set aside for small companies to enable them to kind of leverage this funding to, to grow their business. Um, that, well, for those of you that are, are listening that, you know, just to give you some sense of uh, um, SBIR, you know, started companies like like Symantec mm -hmm. and iRobot, right. you know, initially had SBIR funding, you know, just a huge driver of innovation. You know, a lot of great technical companies get their start through this program. Right. Um, unfortunately, not as well known as it should be, right, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot more um, publicity that should be done across the federal government on this front. But uh, I know for the Department of the Air Force now, uh, the main major outfit that runs that is is a group called AFWorks. Um, and then underneath that is a group that I also happen to be involved with called SpaceWorks, um, which essentially owns and operates that, that process, that small business funding process. Um, and so what what the Department of Air Force has tried to do is make it a little easier for us to utilize, as the government to utilize that and make it easier for the commercial side, the com small companies to access that um, pipeline, if you will, in order to explore what I call, you know, this mission fit scenario. So um, one of the best ways companies that are listening that might want to get involved is, is to go to the AFWorks website and explore how that mechanism works. They've got some pretty good content there to um, take people through that process, and and then SpaceWorks. Yeah, put those uh, just we can we, we put the uh, websites. We'll put them in the show the show yeah, notes. That'll be great um, for those who listen. Uh, SpaceWorks is sort of a subsidiary of AFWorks, working specifically with the Space Force funding that we get, the, the allocation for Space Force that we get for you know that program. So the SpaceWorks team, in, in a nutshell, um, operates that process to help look at what's happening essentially to Texco and understand uh, and and basically give money to and it's not give money right but you know to apply funding to uh small companies uh for us the unique nature is it's a uh, it's not equity we don't take equ equity in the companies we are literally giving a contract out um you do have to compete for the money but nevertheless there's these calls that happen three times a year typically to get in the door and that's the first way um, to basically allow us to be exposed to small companies and for small companies to be exposed to the federal government's 
um, process. Yeah, it's really just a, a great program. Yeah, we have a, a, our, our kind of fed tech model. Typically, it is um, especially when we spin off a technology from a research lab into a new company. I think there's probably several million dollars of seed funding that can get um, really, you know, grow the company that's all non dilutive through things like SBIR through prize competitions. So we always have kind of this, this, this runway that we try to take um, the startup down, you know, leading up to where if they do a private capital raise, you know, they're able to um, do that from a better position of strength, you know, is kind of the, but you got, you got to kind of understand the way the super program works and where to, where to look, but the money is there. Yeah. So a precursor uh, to that would be then I, I would advise entrepreneurs if you're new or, or don't understand how to do your market analysis and your market fit, um, an accelerator, right? A technology accelerator, startup accelerator is, is really good, especially if you're a tech company. I meet a lot of um, founders who are really, you know, they're sort of enamored with their technology and that's great. Um, but I, I don't feel like they always realize that they need to do quite a bit of diligence on what kind of product or service can that actually be turned into that ultimately a consumer, whether that's a business to business kind of a consumer, business to legitimate consumer, you know, to ultimately buy that product or service. And one of the ways that you can do that is through startup accelerators, right? There's all kinds and flavors of those. And we run a few of those ourselves as a federal government. So I have the hyperspace challenge in Albuquerque. I have one in Colorado Springs called the catalyst space accelerator. Those are an entry level, um, entry level uh, programs that would enable uh, companies to come in without having to first go through the rigorous part of cyber sitter. It's sort of a pre cyber sitter um, set of programs to kind of explore this fit between what you want to do mission or what you want to do product service wise and what we see as a mission opportunity. And then it just lets you explore, is there really a fit with the government or not before you go through the more robust piece of Cyber Sitter? But it's at least an introductory piece and those can also be found um, online. Just you can Google Catalyst Space Accelerator, or Hyperspace Challenge and easily find those opportunities when they happen and how you can participate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks, Gabe. Yeah, we, and that, it's just, it, it's such good advice because I really think, um, one thing you didn't mention as much as that, that I know your programs do is also just, just the network and the, the people that you get connected to yeah. are so valuable, you know, and, and it's, it's worth the time. Yeah. Participating in an accelerator. Cause you get to meet, you know, you'll obviously get paired usually with a mentor with, you know, people that can advise you. Um, and we've seen, you know, FedTech runs these types of programs and we've seen this over and over again, that mentor connectivity can last so much far, farther into the future than the, accelerator runs right you know those are often really core business relationships uh, that you can make through these types of programs and i know you guys do a great job you know running um the space specific accelerators in your portfolio yeah i mean i agree with you i think it's one of many ways that i've seen that are helpful to um you know companies that are are beginning and, and trying to mature technology and their product service line yeah well just to finish up gabe yeah just kind of thinking a little bit back to New Mexico, you know, again, as a, a growing ecosystem, we love it there. We're happy to be on the ground now. I love it. I get out every chance I can to go do breweries. Yeah, I mentioned I, I, I skied for the first time in Taos, you know, was spectacular. Definitely um, on my butt a lot, you know, a couple dramatic falls, a little bit cold, but really fun day. Um, amazing state, right? You know, lots going on. The economy's changing. The startup world is changing. If you were to just kind of in your mind, fast forward, you know, 10, 10 years maybe into the future, 
what would you like to see as sort of a, a, a reality for New Mexico, you know, for the, the space industry? Um, and, and just maybe what does that look like if you kind of put on your, um, your futurist uh, view a little bit? Yeah, I think where, where, I, see, where I see it going, uh, I, I think this is a kind of a realistic vision that that we're driving to here. You know, all the players here in the state are driving to, you know, even amongst the the state and local governments, is um, becoming one of the locating central nodes of the, um, you know, the space economy um, for the nation. So I expect we'll see a lot more, um, in in particular, startup companies, space startup companies, or or startup companies that have a particular space business line um located here um and such that it it's going to be a place where if you want to start a company in space that you you definitely look at new mexico you definitely look at albuquerque as that place um and, and then i also foresee we're already seeing this build up to um the other side of that market which is uh the capital side right there's there's a lot of growth in the venture side and how that venture side is uh, intersecting here with our ecosystem um, and I think then as that grows, we'll also see some adjacent sectors growing. Like I said, I mentioned the entertainment sector. There's a lot of underlying innovation tech technology that actually, um, crosses between several of these sectors. And I think in particular between what you see in entertainment industry, um, VR, for instance, and others, and how that translates to the space sector. I, I, I want to see those, uh, adjacent sectors also grow at that same rate. Absolutely. Good. It's, you know, it's a, a great goal and you guys are well on your way and just want to thank you for doing the work you do. Thanks for um, getting uh, to have the conversation with us today. And yeah, I guess we, we'll leave it there, Gabe. Um, thanks for your time. And uh, again, we've been joined here by Gabe Mounts, who is dual-hatted as Director of uh, Outreach and Technology Office at uh, AFRL in New Mexico and is also the Deputy Director of SpaceWorks. So thanks, Gabe. Yeah, appreciate everything. Please stay in touch. And, and um Keep doing the good, the good work. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I really appreciate the the opportunity to to talk here. Looking forward to to seeing you again when you come back out. Absolutely, <laughs> most definitely. Cool. <laughs>